We have come to Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. If you'll read with me, verses 5 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles underneath the pews. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, That our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We have been studying just recently our identification that is, was in Adam as all people. When Adam sinned, we all sinned with him. When he fell, we all fell with him. That's how we inherited the sinful nature that we have. There's a parallel that's given as far as what life is like in Christ. And just as through Adam we all died with him, through Christ and through faith in Christ we live and we are able to be identified in Christ so that his righteousness is placed upon our account. All the righteousness that Christ has is placed on our account to where we are found in him. When he died, as we've been looking at it, when he died, we died with him. When he rose again, we rose again with him. That we're identified with him to where that unity that is there is absolutely essential for salvation. There's no way that any of us can be saved unless we are found to be in Christ, having our sins placed upon him and having his righteousness placed upon us. St. Augustine Say that for Pastor Jim. Every professor I ever had said St. Augustine. And so I've always said that, but it's the British way, and he asked me if I'm British because he says I'm a weird-looking British guy if I am. <laughs> so St. Augustine, or if you want to sound more intellectual, you can say St. Augustine, or sound more British. He went through and... and said that before, before the fall of Adam, that man was in a place of being, quote, able to sin. At least that's how it's translated, able to sin. Adam and Eve were created without sin, but created in such a way in which they were able to sin. After their fall, 
all of mankind was in a state of being not able not to sin. So they went from being able to sin to having fallen with Adam to where all of mankind was not able not to sin. You could try your hardest, but from the time of of being an infant, you are in a situation in which the sinful nature is there to where you are not able not to sin. It's within us. By himself, man was unable to break free of this condition. The state of believers, those who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, those who have been made a new creation, are now able not to sin. So you went from, before the fall, able to sin, to not able not to sin after the fall. Now as a new creation in Christ, as those who have been saved, we are now able not to sin. We're able to flee temptation. We have not been yet changed to where we're in our glorified state, to where we will be in that condition of not able to sin. The new condition as far as when we enter into heaven, we will be in the condition of being not able to sin. So you know for all eternity, you will be in a condition of being not able to sin when you're in heaven. That's good news for us. I mean, just the security of our salvation. Never wondering if there's a day in eternity where we, we fall once again as Lucifer fell and, and be in a state where we are in despair for the rest of eternity. We are saved in such a way that for all eternity we will be not able to sin. But Romans chapter 6 is talking about the condition that we are in now of being able not to sin. Able not to sin. This isn't a doctrine of perfectionism. Not saying that we can be perfect. There's those that have taken Scripture and used it to say that it is possible for a Christian to be perfect. It's a doctrine called perfectionism, that we can be perfect as believers, being in a state of, of no longer sinning. There's groups that have existed like that, um, you, you maybe have heard of, of Oneida Silverware. It's a brand that still exists today. And that came from the Oneida community where there was this group of people that got together and they were what would be referred to as perfectionists. They thought that they could live in such a way as far as holiness was concerned in which they would not sin at all. And so they lived in a house, a gigantic house that they built and they all lived together and they said that they could achieve perfection what they did though is they lowered the bar so much to make it so that that was possible it turned out after once the community dissolved and people learned about them and people read from their their journals and from their diaries what took place was the leader of this particular group and all those that were part of it had open marriage. And so you could marry, you, 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 had, you had open sexual relationships with, with anybody in the community from the times that, that girls were, were very young. 
They lowered the standard to such a way in which anything became okay. Because apart from that, how could you ever be perfect? How could you ever be holy? How could you never sin whatsoever? We know who we are. If you, if, if you consider yourself as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that, that you are now in a, in a state of being such that you're able, you're, you're able not to sin, but you know your heart and you know what you are like and you know that if if you were to make it your aim to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and to love your neighbor always as yourself today and said, from now on, that's how it's going to be. You will fail so quickly in loving him in such a way or loving your neighbor in such a way. If, if you say, never again will I ever, ever have a lustful thought. Never again will I ever covet what anybody else has. Never again will I sin in any way. I'll never become angry in a sinful way. I'll never do any of these things. You will find that as long as we are here on this earth in this, these fleshly bodies, that we are in a place where that, that is, is something where we, we are prone to wander. We're prone to sin. Scripture, as you look at it as a whole, teaches us very clearly that we sin. If we say that we don't, we lie and the truth is not in us. It is a part of us. We sin. But something radical has taken place in us being united with Christ. In Romans 6 verse 5, it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we are also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. If we have been united together in his death, meaning when he died on the cross, we died with him. So as the wrath of God was placed upon Christ as he hung on the cross, the wrath that you and I deserved, if the wrath of God was placed upon Christ as he was on the cross, and when that wrath was placed upon him, we died with him. So all the wrath, all the condemnation that we could ever experience as as sinful creatures, it was placed upon Christ and we died with him so that it no longer would have any power over us. We're told here, if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, meaning that when he rose again from the dead, just as he rose again from the dead in newness of life, we also rise again in newness of life as those who have been saved. Radical work that's taken place in our heart as we looked at last week. Being made a new creation in Christ. A new heart. A heart that was a heart of stone being made into a heart of flesh. Eyes that were blind being made able to see. Us being in a condition of being dead, being made alive. Holy Spirit coming within us. Changing us, this regeneration that took place is such that, that just as we were united together in his death, also we are united together in his resurrection and that we are new creations in Christ, all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing this, verse 6, knowing that that is the case, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. 
For he who has died has been freed from sin. So knowing this, you know this to be the case. That our old man, that person that we were before regeneration, before we were the new creation in Christ, that old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. Done away with. We no longer should be slaves of sin, there is this incredible change that's taken place within us. No longer slaves of sin. I went to Sudan to a little village called Tonj, and on one of my trips, it was late June, early July of of nineteen ninety eight, and. At this particular time in, in, this, in this area, the, the famine was, was horrible. I'd been there in May, and, and it, was, it was literally just dozens and dozens. They, were, they said on the average in this little area, 40 people a day were dying from their starvation. Sudan had a, a situation in which there were areas that were considered no-fly zones that you weren't supposed to go into at all. There was a war between the north and the south, and it was just a brutal war. And this particular area was considered a no-fly zone. Nobody was allowed to go in there to do relief work. And, and we hired planes and flew in from, from Kenya, a place called Lokachokyo there in Kenya. And we just flew right into South Sudan, into this area, and, and, and brought as much food as we possibly could from, from May till I arrived there again in, in late June. And when I, the, the, the setting there was, it was still a war zone. I mean, we, I slept with my shoes on. I had my to-go bag. We, we had our GPS. We had our satellite phone. We knew, like, okay, if, if, if the rebels at area, if, if the militia attacks, we run to this particular place and call from there, and they'll come, and they'll try to pick us up if we can make it there. And that's how we, our situation for the time that I was there. And, and I came upon a little girl as I was walking out amongst this, this area. And, and this area is, is as backwards as you could possibly imagine, especially at this particular time. And this little girl had just a little rag on for her clothes. She was probably about, I would guess, six or seven years old. She was little. And her hands were um, incredibly infected. She had fallen into a, a fire, and her mom and dad had, had been killed in the war. She had lived with some relative, and in her, she was just walking through town in her hands. She was holding up like this, and, and they were covered with flies, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flies. And, and every finger looked, it, it honestly looked like, like a, just a raw piece of sausage, of, of like Italian sausage. It was so thick, they were huge, and they were just raw. And... I asked what happened, and they said she fell into the fire. Um, but the infection had gotten to a place where it was just severe. And, and we brought her into our little compound. And, and, and on this particular day, there was this, this lady that was there that had very little medical training, but at least a tiny bit, and she was local in that area. And we took some, we had a big gallon of, of antiseptic, and we, we took it and in, in started washing her hands. And, and she screamed like, 
the, the most horrible scream. Remember, she threw her head back and split her head open in the midst of it. And she's screaming and she's crying. And I'm, I said, what is she saying? And she's just maybe six years old. And the, the guy that was with me, she's saying, just please let me die. Just let me die. Please let me die. Just stop. Please let me die. And, and we got done. We bandaged them up the best that we could with gauze and gave her this cute little purple outfit. And I, I gave her a blow pop. She had never had candy before. No one there has ever had candy before. So I gave her a blow pop. And she, we taught her how to open. She couldn't open it up herself. We opened it up for her. We gave it to her. And I had them translate, you need to come back every day to have them cleaned again. Or you're going to lose your hands or die. And she walked out the gate, and I thought, I'll, I'll never. I said to the, the, the guy that was with me, I, I will never see her again. She's never coming back here again. The next day, she was there, and the gate was open, and I could see a little head just looking around the corner. And she was just petrified. I never saw anybody with her. She just came by herself, just this little head looking around the corner, and, and she was just shaking. We brought her in and just undid the, the, the wraps. And I was much more gentle than the lady was the previous day. It was good that the lady the previous day was not gentle because they needed to be cleaned. But it was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So anytime she's like, I'm like, okay, 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 stop. You know, we soaked them in water. We got the bandages off. We cleaned them again. And... And every day we would do this, and every day she'd get a blow pop. She ate all my blow pops, but she, she got a blow pop every day. We, th- this took place for probably well, well over a month. Every single day her coming to us, and we'd clean them and bandage them and, and give her a blow pop. And I look at that, and I, I think of the, the wounds that were there, infection that was there on her hands. And for us, prior to conversion, it wasn't just that our hands were infected. It wasn't that there was just a part of us that was infected. We were not able not to sin. It was an infection that went throughout the entirety of us. Picture those hands. In my mind, it's very vivid but just the worst infection you can imagine. And it's not just the hands, it's the mind. It's not just the mind, it's the heart. It's not just the heart, it's the will. Everything within us was so corrupt from sin that God refers to it as we were dead in our sins and trespasses. That we were enemies of God. That the inclination of our heart was only evil continually. It, I think of her just coming around that corner, me thinking she'll never come back again. And yet, God tells us, as we looked at in the book of Romans, that he says, there's none that seek after me. Apart from the Holy Spirit quickening us, apart from the Holy Spirit drawing us to himself, apart from the Holy Spirit doing that work in our heart, we would never, ever come to him. That's the 
the sickness, that's the infection, that's the death that's within us as sinners to where we would never do it. This little girl went going to a, in, into a direction of experiencing incredible pain for the sake of a blow pop. You can look at us to where you're offered every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus our Lord having no condemnation in him to where all of our sins placed upon him and all we receive is righteousness and it comes only by faith alone and yet the severity of the infection within us, the severity of the sin within us makes it so that we would never even turn the corner for that. That's the depth of the wickedness that was inside every one of us where God says that We were running away from him. We were lovers of evil rather than lovers of good. That there was no fear of God in our eyes whatsoever. But that was the condition of of all of us. And then to think that that condition in which bound us being slaves to sin to where you would never so much as turn the corner because sin had such a hold on all of us and the corruption was so severe that it went to the depths of every part of who we are. And to think that he has taken us and tells us that we were crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. May be done away with. That putrid Infected body in which we had, God says, it's done, it's done away with. When you're a new creation in Christ, there's this incredible change that has taken place in you to where you who were dead have been made alive. You who were haters of God have become those who love him. Those who are able to love him with your whole heart all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You're able to be in a sanctuary like this and, and from your heart sing praises to him and mean it from your heart and just love him when before you hated him and you wanted nothing to do with him, you ran from him. You loved only the things of this world and only the things that fed your flesh and only the things that were putrid to God were the things that we love and yet He's done this to us. If you take the person, and you might think you're, you're overdoing it. You, you take the, the person who is the most righteous person who's still dead in their sins, and God says that their righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight. That it's at a level that is so low in, compared, in comparison to the righteousness of Christ that's placed upon us that it, you, you can't even compare the two. It's like filthy rags in his sight in comparison to the righteousness that's given to us from Christ. The very righteousness of God that he tells us that we're clothed with in Christ. And so you think of your new creation in him going from this particular state of the old man to old man being a slave to sin to now being crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with and that you should no longer be slaves of sin. You should no longer be slaves of sin. amazing that little girl we got evac at on um, and it was it was towards the end of of august um, the same day our embassies got bombed in nairobi it was the day that i know that we flew out and that little girl's hands had healed 
It's a tiny spot on one of her fingers, but it was just on the tip. We left her all the medicine that she needed. She was so happy. She would come. Her hands were just healed. You could tell like they were, she was so happy. She'd get her little blow pop and she would just have a smile and walk away. You think of what's taken place with us. You are a new creation in Christ. Through faith in the work of Christ upon the cross, you are a new creation. Not only that, but there's not even the tiniest bit of infection that still exists. Not even the tiniest bit. When you've been there 10,000 years, he will not see you as more holy and more righteous than he does right now. And it's because your righteousness is the righteousness of Christ, and it's perfect. He was a lamb without spot or blemish or any such thing. He was perfect. You think of the joy that little girl had, and then you translate that to what we have been given. It's incomparable. One commentator said, we have received the reconciliation that we may now walk not away from God as if released from a prison, but with God as his children and his son. You've received the reconciliation to where you may walk now, not just away from God as if you've been released from this prison in which you once were, but you now are able to walk with him. He says, because we are justified, we are to be holy, separated from sin, separated to God, not as a mere indication that our faith is real and that therefore we are legally saved, but because we are justified for this very purpose that we might be holy. He says, the grapes upon a grapevine are not merely a living token that the tree is a vine and is alive. They are the product for which the vine exists. It's not the, it is a thing not to be thought of that the sinner should accept justification and to live for himself. Let me translate that for you. Necessary. You look at it and you think, why is it that we have been saved? If he's done this for us as far as taking us the old man and making us totally and completely new, has he done that so that we might continue to live in the same sin? And the answer is no. Let's go on with our text. It says once again in verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, verse 8, We believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So if we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we shall also live with him. When he died, we died with him. Therefore, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, who was raised from the dead, dies no more. This is important for us because what it tells us is that 
Death no longer has any kind of dominion over Christ whatsoever. He died on the cross and he died and we died with him so that that old man might be put away. And it was done once for all so that never again would we ever have to be in these circumstances in which we would need to die again. As far as that death that he died as the wrath of God was placed upon him, never would that ever come upon us ever, ever again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. It was finished. You, you cannot make yourself putrid again. Can't do it. You, you can't take that heart of flesh and, or, and, and, and convert it again to a heart of stone. It's impossible. You can't take it to where the Holy Spirit who is within you is removed and you're back to your old place again of still being dead in your sins and trespasses. You've been made alive to where you can't go back to being this way again because he died and he died and you were crucified with him and he will never have to die again, nor do you because you were crucified with him. That's the, the joy of the gospel is that we're saved not because of anything that we could ever do or anything that we could ever earn or how well we keep ourselves, but we're saved totally and completely by what he did as a holy and perfect God, fulfilling all righteousness and taking our sin upon himself and giving us his righteousness to where we never have to go to this place ever again. You're never going to go back and be infected again. It's gone. It's, it's removed as far as the east is from the west. He died once for all. That's amazing to us. And so, in light of this, he says, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. He died on the cross. The life that Christ now lives He lives to God. He's at the right hand of the Father. He says in Revelation 1.18 to John, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. It's, It's done. I die no more. I died, and it's done. I die no more. Now he lives, and he lives to God. He lives to the glory of God. He's at the right hand of the Father. The unity there of the Trinity is back together again. The joy in which they once had was united once again after the sin of all of us was placed upon Christ and that separation existed for a short period of time. He is now at the right hand of the Father and he will live and he will reign forevermore in all of his glory to where there's no need for the sun to even shine in heaven because he will shine in all of his brilliance for all eternity. And so, as a result of this, Paul goes on to say in verse 11, likewise you also, now let's make this practical to us, likewise you, likewise me, likewise everybody here who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, likewise you also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Likewise, every one of us, we need to have a mindset that this old man, this body that was there, that was infected, that was putrid, that was a hater of God and corrupt and dead in their sins and trespasses, that we died to that when Christ died on the cross. And we need to think that way. 
We need to think that way. We, it's, it's not something that should just be a passing thought. When we're tempted by sin and all of the corruption that is here in the world, and when the enemy comes to tempt us and our flesh is tempting us and the world all around us is tempting us, we need to look and say, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Consider that. Know that that's what's taking place in your life. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's this change that has occurred to where you are alive now in Christ. And you got to think that way. I mean, as he's encouraging us towards holiness, as he's, as he's encouraging us in our security and in our faith and the way that we are to think about things as believers, he says, you all, us all as believers, have to think this way and know that we died with him and that the body of sin was was thrown away, cast away, destroyed forever, gone. Because now in this particular state, we are able to live and be alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. If you are in this particular position as a new creation in Christ, alive, eyes are open, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ has been revealed to you to where you have been regenerated and your heart has been radically changed and the Holy Spirit indwells in you. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Why would he say that? He he would say that because it is possible He wouldn't say, don't let sin reign in your mortal body if that wasn't a possibility. It's a possibility. It's a possibility for us as Christians to have terrible sin within our lives, isn't it? It's a possibility for us to have habitual sin in which we feed and just feast on continually. It's something that we go back to. Thoughts that come into our minds as far as like, okay, well, as long as I'm here in this body, I can't change anything. I'm going to be like this until I get to heaven. This is what it's going to be like. So I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I should die. And God's saying, don't be like that. It started out this chapter, should we sin that grace might abound? And the answer is, certainly not. God forbid, far be it from you. Don't ever think that way. Because you have been made a new creation in Christ. Do not let sin reign in your bodies. Don't let that occur anymore. So if you're here this morning and you are just struggling with habitual sin and there's temptations that overtake you on a regular basis and you're living like this and you're okay with it and you just stay in it you don't even fight anymore here he's saying in light of the fact that that guy died and he's no longer there and you are alive with christ don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust because it died you no longer have to do it before you had to before you had to before you were a christian and if you're here this morning as an unbeliever Trust me, you have no choice but to sin. You could try to live the most perfect life you ever could possibly live, and it doesn't even come close to pleasing God. It's in that filthy rag state to where it's not done to the glory of God, it's not done for his praise, it's not done through his enabling, and it's not good. And so now in our condition, now you're no longer in this place as a believer to where it's possible to not sin. 
It's possible to love him. It's possible to flee sin. It's possible to be in a place where you pursue righteousness. It's possible to be in a place where fruit is coming forth from your life. It's possible to be in a place where, where you're loving one another. You're caring for one another. You look and you, you look around to the people who are around you and you're desiring to build them up and to stir up the gifts that are inside you to encourage them in their faith. It's possible to pray and have to be an effectual prayer, a prayer that God hears as his child to be in, in, in a condition, to be in a place where you're ministering to people and you're doing it to the glory of God. You're proclaiming the gospel and you're out there reading his word in, in prayer and in worship to where it's real and it's sweet and it's good and it's fruitful and it pleases him and it honors him and it's glorious. It's possible to be in that condition now. And so what he's saying is don't be controlled by the sin. You don't have to anymore. He always makes a way of escape. You call out to him in prayer. You take the shield of faith, that helmet of salvation, salvation, that that breastplate of righteousness, the the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, the, the shoes that the gospel of peace. You're able to take that and trust in that and say, God, through your enabling, help me to hate sin and to flee from it, to leave it completely there. I'm not, I'm not that old man anymore. I'm new. You're, you're, you enable me to, to have fruit come from my life and to no longer be in habitual sin, no longer fall to those same things over and over again, but I can have righteousness in me and it doesn't even come from me, but it's sourced in you as I depend upon you. you got to get that. This isn't a sermon to say, all right, good luck, you guys. Live holy. You can't do it. You'll walk out that door and fail immediately. But it's looking at our lives and saying, we can pursue righteousness as we pursue him. As we depend upon him. As we have his word sowed in a heart that we might not sin against him. As we surround ourselves with believers and say, hold me accountable, I need the body of Christ around me to encourage me. As we do these things, it is possible through his enabling. And do not present your members, verse 13, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Your body, everything that is within you, your voice, your mind, your heart, your feet, your hands, the things that you do, all of it could be used as instruments of righteousness to God because you are a new creation in Christ and it is possible through his enabling. Incredible. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law anymore. The law can do some things. It can convict you. It reveal your sin, but it is unable to save you and to cause you to be righteous, but grace can. We are not under the law anymore, but we are under grace, and we are found in Christ, and we are new creations in him to where things have changed incredibly for us. If you are still in bondage to that place where you, the lust is just coming, and it's coming, and you fall over and over again, please, this morning, by God's enabling, repent. Realize you don't have to anymore. Repent. Pursue righteousness. Pursue God. Be found in him. Live just as Christ rose in newness of life. You also rose in newness of life. You are changed. And for us, it means fruit that can come forth from our lives. Understanding this, 
is the most freeing, Christ-exalting, Christ-enabling doctrine for us to understand our position in Christ and what it is that he has done for us. It made the joy of that little girl with her little blow pop. May it be like a drop in the Pacific in comparison to our joy in Christ and what it is that he has done for us. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Romans 6. Thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you can meet us here and expose sin and give us hope that doesn't come from ourselves but comes from you, our creator, our sustainer, the one who promises us that he will, who he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, the one who promises that he will mold us, conform us into his image. It is you in whom we depend upon this morning. It's you in whom we trust for our enabling. It's you in whom we know that if we abide in you, there can be fruit that comes from our lives, but apart from you, we can do nothing. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet us this morning and just cause these things to be in our minds and in our hearts, cause us to hate sin and run from it and realize that we have been freed from the slavery of sin. God, help us never to place ourselves back in the same bondage in which you have set us free from by the work that you did on the cross for us. And may it make us so joyful in you. May we count our blessings and name them one by one. Lord, you have been so good to us. Be exalted now through the praises of your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.